Hello, this is Sean Harwell, and you're listening to the Never Heard of It podcast. I'm joined today by... Craig Morhen. I'm uh, the co-host of uh, Never Heard of It, and this is the podcast uh, where we talk about the movies that have slipped through our cracks. That's right, and fortunately, we have good listeners who um, suggest movies that slip through our cracks, like uh, mm-hmm. the one we're going to talk about today. And mm-hmm. if you want to make a suggestion... Go check us out at um, NeverHeardPodcast.com. You can find links to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, etc. there. And, uh, yeah, come make a suggestion. You'll be glad you did. I think you will be glad. Craig, how are you? I'm doing uh, great. And How I'm was your night last night? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this experience was sort of due mm-hmm. after, after two terms of Obama, who I was uh, uh, very mostly happy with. How was your night? Slept like a babe. <laughs> You're a cold fish, Sean Harwell. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, our, our president is going to be a guy who I think was in Home Alone too. Mm-hmm. And I'm Among not talking many about, other uh, accomplishments. Yeah, I'm not talking about Macaulay Culkin. No, not this time. Yeah. Maybe so we'll time. see. Yeah. I don't know. This isn't a, a political podcast by any means. Nope. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, if we sound weird and angry, if we take it out on anything, <laughs> eh, you can figure out why. Read between the lines. Yeah. Yep. And uh, actually, this is this is probably a good segue because maybe um, we should apologize to the to the individual that suggested today's movie. Um, it comes from listener Alex Callahan, who's a friend of mine. He lives in he lives in the UK, mm-hmm. so he gets to watch all of this from afar. Um, as if uh, our, our nation is in a little snow globe that's just interesting and, and, and a nice little trinket <laughs> for the rest of the world. No, um, Alex is a very bright guy. Uh, he has a fantastic music blog, and he follows us on Twitter. I'm sure you can find him there, and uh, go check him out. Yeah, thank you, Alex. Yeah, he suggested today's movie, which is 2013's A Field in England from director Ben Wheatley and writer Amy Jump, who I believe is his wife. It stars Julian Barrett, Peter Ferdinando, Richard Glover, Ryan Pope, Reese Shearsmith, and Michael Smiley. I'm going to read a plot synopsis, part of the plot synopsis from Wikipedia, actually. And it's a little longer than normal. That's partly to help me (laughs) make some sense of this movie, but also to kind of give those of you listening just the the real meat and potatoes of this setup because I think they can explain it better than 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 probably we will. I don't want to speak for you, Craig, but I'm That's just speaking right. for me at least. Okay, here we That's go. Right. During a battle of the English Civil War, an alchemist assistant named Whitehead flees from the strict commander Trower. Whitehead is saved by a rough soldier named Cutler who kills Trower before he can apprehend Whitehead. Whitehead then meets two army deserters, the alcoholic Jacob and the witless friend. The four leave the battleground in search of a promised alehouse that Cutler knows of. Cutler instead leads them to a field encircled by mushrooms. That's a very important part, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, let me highlight the word mushrooms, where he cooks them and forces the others to eat to make them more obedient, save for Whitehead. There they haul the Irishman O'Neill, seemingly out of the ground from a wooden pike buried in the ground. O'Neill is a rival alchemist to whom Cutler works for and who stole documents from Whitehead's master. He quickly asserts authority over the group and tells them of a treasure hidden somewhere 
in a nearby field. Mm-hmm. The end. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, I, I think uh, what's important to take away from all of that a, is the idea of alchemy and alchemists, um, which is not something we talk about a lot in 2016. True. Um, and that this kind of is a contained movie between five very different and I thought very dynamic individuals. Mm-hmm. And it does indeed take place in a field for the most part. It was shot in black and white. I don't have the cinematographer's name right in front of me. Very unique looking film, I thought. And... Um, a very uniquely edited film. This is not um, standard fare in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And Craig, are you familiar with Ben Wheatley at all? Uh, I am a little bit. I'm not sure that I've seen an entire movie of his. I know he did the movie High Rise recently. He did. Uh, and there was another one, which I which uh, I don't have. Uh, is it Down Terrace? Because that's the other name. That, I, I recognize that title, and even though I haven't seen it. Well, you know what? I, I have seen ABCs of Death. So I have seen his, his short oh, okay. yeah. bit in that one. Uh, and I've seen, well, to be honest, I started watching The Kill List and had to uh, stop watching that recently. A friend of mine... I uh, recommended that a long time ago, and that's uh, online here and there, Netflix, I believe. So, so yeah, I'm I'm somewhat familiar with what he does. Yeah, I, I haven't seen any of his other work as well. He he has also directed quite a bit on TV, mm-hmm. uh, including a couple episodes of uh, Doctor Who. It looks like in 2014, some of you may have seen that. Um, it, I think he's he started in in short films and advertising in a lot of ways, and I think some of that is apparent. Uh, just looking at the posters, I mean, specifically mm-hmm. the poster for High Rise definitely um, will remind a lot of people of A Clockwork Orange. Mm-hmm. And then he's got a movie coming out, I think, later. Uh, well, I don't know if it's going to get in by the end of the year, maybe in a few select cities. Um, but this is called Free Fire, and, and that's set in Boston. It's sort of about two gangs, and it's got Sam Riley, Noah Taylor, Charlotte Copley, uh, Brie Larson, a couple other people involved that you will recognize. Uh, go check out this poster if you get a chance sometime. It, yeah. I, I love it. It's one of the best posters I've seen this year. I think along with that, like that Jackie poster. But maybe we'll throw that up online. But um, clearly, a pretty keen visual eye from this guy, and I, I do think it, it's a name that I I keep seeing here mm-hmm. here and there. So yeah, I was really happy to find out that he directed this movie that Alex suggested to me that I think I had heard of the title but knew nothing else about it. Sure. And so, yeah, I think I got a little bit of a Ben Wheatley education. I'm excited to to see some of the other stuff. What did you think of this specific movie, A Field in England? And did you did you know anything about this going into it? No, I, I, I knew nothing about it. I had no idea what it was going to be like. Uh, I assumed it was going to be some sort of period drama mm-hmm. because it uh, when, when it started it felt like something that was obviously low budget but it you know and, and then it would just be these guys kind of kind of talking their way through and things things leave the rails in, an, in a definitely an interesting way although I have to say uh, I am I I found myself quite lost yeah during the watching of this um, many many times and and uh, and again it is it looks very nice it moves in a really interesting way and it's the kind of thing where I feel like I'd watch it for seven minutes and start to kind of 
just kind of, you know, detach from it. And then all of a sudden something would happen. I'd be back into it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I would just be trying to figure out, yeah, what, what, what are the motivations happening here? What's going on? So it's one of those experiences where it's, it's somewhat confusing, but I didn't want to stop watching it. I think that's a that pretty fair assessment. Yeah. Yeah. And I say that because I think it's intentionally confusing. Yeah. At, at at several times, and actually, one of the things that I I think is worth praising right off the bat is there's some I, I think some really artful use of withholding information in this film. Mm-hmm. You know, and at times that can be frustrating, and. I didn't quite get completely uh, to that point with this one. But right. yeah, you, you're thrown into it. I mean, literally, like the guy, there's somebody running through the woods and you're hearing the sounds of battle. And that's kind of another thing I like. Like, the war literally takes place on the other side of the hedgerow for the entire film. <laughs> like, you never yeah. see it. It's really, I mean, it's a smart use of a small production, even though, you know, occasionally you do get. Um, you know some some gunfire, and you can you can see that the war is actually happening, whether those are effect shots or not. But the man comes out of the woods. You don't know who he is. I had to rewind it a couple times. You know, I, that's one of the like hard things I think about taking notes. You know, I'm definitely not at the level of like any sort of professional critic where I can just kind of do it all in stride and keep my focus. Like I, I definitely you know, like I paused it. I would write down stuff. I would go back and have to rewind it. I turned the subtitles on for sure. Um, sure. But yeah, I don't. You don't know exactly what that is. You know that this guy is running. This is Whitehead that we're talking about. It was played by Reese Shearsmith, the alchemist assistant. And you know he's hiding from someone. He even says like, "Please God, don't let him find me." Mm-hmm. And then there's the guy on the horse that appears at a. I think ultimately was his master but at the time i'm like okay is this just like a like a general and like is this guy a deserter from the war like it has that feel to it and then there are two other characters the the cutler and jacob who in those early scenes they look almost identical to me Mm -hmm. I, i had a hard time telling them apart and you know i don't know that that necessarily is intentional but it's partly just because of their dress i think and again um, maybe this is where some of the black and white choices uh, with the cinematography actually kind of elevate that that sort of feeling. Right. Um, but yeah, beyond that, like once they finally establish that core group, it does just feel like these are guys kind of running away from the war. They're fed up with it, you know, and on Jacob's part and Cutler's part, and they're getting the hell out of there. Um, there's some regrets, but you don't quite know what's going on and where they're going. And even then, when the sort of betrayal by Cutler, who cooks the soup with the, the hallucinogens in it, you don't know why he's done that. Mm-hmm. And even then, <laughs> when they cut to these guys just tugging on a rope, and I mean, I'm, that, that was like a 45-second sequence where you yeah. just see them pulling and hear them pulling and they're putting their all into it and you don't later see that they're actually tugging the body of this O'Neill character 
And then you sure as hell don't know who this guy is. He looks right. dead. I thought he was a corpse, you know. And that's something actually that like comes up again and again. So I think it's it's one of those things like you're getting a little bit into that sort of plot is kind of out the window here, you know. Like if you're mm-hmm. a huge David Lynch fan, this might be a movie for you, I think. Like, it's operating, I think, on that kind of spectrum. Do you think that's sort of fair to say? I don't know. I was trying to think of other, like, comparisons, and I really drew a blank. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and that's, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's that's true. It's it's hard to, to come up with a good comparison here because it, it sort of comes at you sort of unassuming. Mm-hmm. And it feels, you know, it feels like it's 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 very low budget, and it feels very talky at first, like it's just going to be these guys. It's not necessarily a, a a very funny story, but it's also not. I mean, it's no, it's, there's it's, some great it laughs. It feels in there, very yeah. comic at first, yeah. Not a comedy though, for sure. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I would definitely not call it a full on comedy. Well, let me actually, I just want to interrupt for a second because here's yeah. what IMDb calls it: drama, comma history, comma horror. Horror, really? <laughs> Yeah, and like I can, you know, that's a hard one to suss out because this ain't the witch, you know. Um, yeah, and even that is sort of playing those genre convictions, um, and yet it it does have. There's a very unsettling sort of tone to this at times. It's definitely unsettling. Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't think of it as horror necessarily, <laughs> and maybe that's just because I mean, you know, a part of that is thinking about the witch. The witch is, is is so clear in intention. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a you know. Um, I, I did think about that in, in terms of this because there there are certain similarities. Um, although I wouldn't really put them in the same ballpark. I don't know. It just seemed like uh, Ben Wheatley wanted to kind of have a you know a, a psychedelic movie set in in, in uh, the old days of England. Which is an interesting mix. Yeah, I was gonna say it, I do think that's that's pretty highly original. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I think um, in some ways I have to imagine that, you know, the initial audiences that saw this movie, if they went in completely unsuspecting, wow, you are thrown for quite a curve, I, I think, to, yeah. to find that element in it. And it's, it sure. happens pretty quickly that they're, that they're eating these mushrooms. You oh, know? yeah. And then there's a there's a really extended kind of trip sequence towards the end, which we can get to. But yes. I do want to point out, like I, I think one of my more favorite moments happened pretty early on there, and and it was in the setup and introduction with these characters. You at, at this point have Whitehead, um, Jacob, who is sort of, I mean they call him an alcoholic, but like he's kind of the no he could give a shit about anything and anyone right he is that guy you know he's a tough guy um you know cutler's you know a bit craftier i think he's the one that's been stealing from the dead bodies but anyway so they all kind of end up in the same location and there's a dead body on the ground and they're talking and cutler makes the pitch to them that he's seen a nail house they can leave right now and if they come with him like he'll at least buy them around and put some food in their belly and like they're heading off to do this and then that dead body sits up <laughs> and the guy yeah. says uh did someone mention ale and like i really enjoyed that actor and and that character 
almost in his entirety and that that is Richard Glover who is his character is just they he's credited as friend um, and they do call him friend over and over but he's sort of I mean, I thought of a bit of that bald-headed guy in Quest for Fire, the caveman that keeps dropping the fire. Like, he would yeah. be that guy, you know? Like, he's yeah. sort of... And, like, the whole, like, gist of that character is, like, over and over, it's just that he's not bright at all, you yeah. know? But there's... And even that guy, there's there's more to it. But I, I liked how different these guys ultimately were after being very yeah. confused about who the hell they were from from the get-go. Agreed. Um, but man, um, very soon after they start that journey, you know, I, I think I kind of got my first clue that this was going to be a different animal stylistically when that friend character, he earlier says something about, you know, signing up to join the army because they came into the town and started singing the songs and they were marching and the drums and you, there's just a shot where they cut to him staring directly into the camera and he starts singing this song yeah, as if it were a music video or Magnolia you know right. um, did you I don't know like I part of me feels like okay I've seen enough movies now to just not be completely thrown by something like that but what did you think when that happened? Or did you did you even like make you know heads or tails of it, or even? Yeah, I mean, at, at that point, I wasn't. Uh, it, at that point, it, it didn't throw me. I I, mm-hmm. I was thinking of it as just some way to show that we're 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 kind of passing time. It didn't make total sense to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like they they stopped anywhere so that he could sing to everybody. Like he's he is looking at you as he's singing, but it did kind of feel like. You know, we're just we're passing time. We're walking through these fields. We're on on the way to this alehouse or something. Well, let me ask you this: mm-hmm. Is there a version of this movie where taking stuff like that out would leave you with a a, a more compelling story? Do you think? Hmm. I mean, it's hard to say because that that, that version doesn't exist. But yeah, I mean, I that, don't that, know. I mean, I, yeah. I, I really don't know. That that there is with this particular movie, I, I don't know that that was getting in the way of anything because it seemed yeah. to, it kind of just seemed to want to move on its own, at, at, at its own pace, and each thing didn't seem terribly connected to the last in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. One of the so, reasons I asked that yeah. is, uh, well, I was gonna say, like, and we've talked about this before, is like sometimes you can watch an independent film and feel them stretching the running yeah. time out. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And especially sometimes, I think I remember one, and I I can't remember the title, but watching in film school where it's just like they'll do like repetitive jump cuts, you know, of the same sequence, and like it yeah. just is like it, it felt. Sometimes it feels like experimentation for the sake of just having a freaking ninety-minute movie, right? Right. And so that's like. I admit, like, that flag went up when I saw him singing into camera. I was like, okay, is he going to lose me completely by going <laughs> that direction? Even though I'm like, because I was, by that point, I think already kind of invested in these characters. Right. And I, I, I don't know. I think by the end of it, I never kind of quite fell over into feeling that way. 
it did feel like he like the Wheatley guy is was in control of of all that stuff and it, it had a purpose at least to him and to to the film itself you know yeah so that's good right <laughs> yeah yeah I think so <laughs> there were bits to me honestly I felt it more toward the end where uh, yeah you know the, the guy has has dressed up like O'Neill I think and he's kind of walking through the field and mm-hmm. yeah for some reason I was like oh I kind of want this to wrap up right now and I was you know well, kind of like yeah let's let's get this done okay well let me ask I want to ask a question about one of those mm-hmm. choices um, there were moments where they would cut to um, very early on it's did I lose you Mm-mm. okay Mm-mm. sorry I heard a little bit there were moments, you know, especially like early on when when the four of them are together before they met O'Neill, where you cut to them and they were posed as if they're like yes. in a painting, and they're perfectly still, kind of, yeah. Or, or you know, one of them will move slightly, or but you'll or you'll see smoke billowing in the background, so it's not a completely still scene but they're posed as if they're sort of supposed to be any sort of, do you read anything? I mean, is there any kind of, (laughs) if you got a metaphor for me, I would, I will absolutely take it. If not, I would just curious what you think of it. I didn't feel like it was something that was building on top of something else. Uh, Aside from by that point, they've already eaten the mushrooms. Yeah. So, you know, so it kind of feels like, well, anything that happens after this, it's, it's all up in the air. Anything could happen. Okay, I feel like if we Googled that, we would find somebody who's <laughs> oh yeah who's written something. You know, don't you feel like it's one of those? I choices? would assume somebody has yeah pulled that yeah, apart. Yeah, and I kind of want to know. Maybe Alex can find it for us. I am kind of curious. That was one of the things I was left kind of curious about. Okay, uh, I got another question for you. Mm-hmm. After O'Neill comes onto the scene, there's a moment where you hear Whitehead screaming off camera oh, yeah. intensely, deeply. You're seeing the other char- characters react to it. Friend is covering his ears, and they get almost even like breaking down to the point of tears. We never, I mean, and this goes on for, uh, I mean, it was like at least a minute, right? Close yes. to us. There basically has been, you know, O'Neill set up a tent or teepee sort of cloth structure, right? Right. We never see what's going on in there. And then the next thing you know, Whitehead comes out. He's basically on a rope tether to something inside that tent. Yeah. And he has like the weirdest, like off-putting, transfixed look upon his face and just walks like right in front, past all of those guys. Mm -hmm. Very obviously intentionally kind of transfixing again like keyboardy music behind it yeah um it's not played as like a as a horrific moment heads or tales of of what happened in that damn tp well <laughs> to the Whitehead? only reason the only reason i, I feel like i know what happened is okay. because i read i did read the wikipedia plot synopsis you have got to stop cheating I know it is cheap. No, please tell me because I would love to know. I didn't. But I didn't it do my says, homework, obviously. Well, it says that O'Neill tortured Whitehead uh, into a gleeful and hypnotized human divining rod in order to find the treasure. 
I get the last part of that. Right. And there's no way to not think that he's being tortured in there hearing the screams. Yes. But when he comes out, he's not bleeding from nope. anywhere. No. There's no sign that he's been physically maimed or, or anything like that. So that's where I was confused. I thought, well, is this guy, O'Neill, supernatural in some way? And he's doing something supernatural to Whitehead. And then... I think that whole sequence ends with him, A, yeah, leading them to where he thinks the treasure is, but then O'Neill gives him wine, which Whitehead tries to refuse. It causes Whitehead to vomit, and Mm -hmm. these crazy weird rocks come up in his vomit with with markings on them. (laughs) Right? Yeah. And that, that was never explained, right? No. Yeah. He just had some I mean, rocks that, hanging out in his stomach. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's, yeah, I mean, I was definitely feeling very lost at that point because that yeah. was exactly, like, I didn't, I mean, I, like, I don't think it's, it's explained in any way mm-hmm. before that except that, you know, there's a, like, you're going to help me find this treasure. Yeah. But the, a divining rod and, like, all that stuff? No, I, uh, no clue about any of that stuff. Well... I mean, I, I kind of was just, okay, like, Whitehead has explained to the other guys that, yes, like, he spent his life in the steward of his master, basically having access to books to study about, he talks about the planets and the stars and, and you know, celestial beings and all that kind of stuff. So, I get the divining rod aspect of it, I guess. Like, that wasn't that hard of a leap for mm-hmm. me to make, I suppose. It Man. does, it feels, it feels pretty random i mean it's 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 definitely moving forward but but then he finds a spot and they mm-hmm. decide this is where we're gonna dig and they start digging and so a couple of them start digging by god and then <laughs> it's not long after that that we get our first dong shot how did you feel about oh, that thank god <laughs> that's when uh whitehead is is examining somebody yeah or he's is that examining jacob okay. jacob has basically become incapacitated to the point that he can no longer dig in this hole right that he it's they've dug at the point at that point i think it was like definitely deeper than he is tall right which is a lot of digging by the way it's a lot of digging (laughs) it's no small amount of digging yeah so whitehead being the man of science checks him out (laughs) with a magnifying glass and they show every bit of it they sure do and he talks about how he's found a hemorrhoid and Mm-hmm. There's a uh, long list of things. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, he really gave this guy a really thorough look. I will say, my favorite, <laughs> favorite sequence of the whole movie, the one, the one thing I actually was like in a different room after I watched the movie and laughed out loud just thinking about, and my wife asked me what the heck I was laughing at and told her was when Jacob was trying to take a poo and yeah. uh remember that right <laughs> yeah. i mean of course you remember it like yeah okay so uh yeah he's he's trying to take a poo and just grunting horribly yeah which you know we then later find out in that exam see okay he's got hemorrhoids like that's what's going on over there but the the friend character like is laughing about it and walks over and says, "Is it a boy or a girl?" <laughs> and uh, that yeah. yeah, that got a good solid laugh out loud for me. And then he he kind of falls down and and lands in it. And you know that was one of those things where 
because that was pretty early on. Mm-hmm. And I remember just thinking, still trying to figure out kind of the kind of the dynamics there. Like the yeah. guy who had come over and was saying that to him, I, I kind of thought like Jacob was going to get up and 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 beat the shit out of him. Yeah, I think he he probably would have. Yeah, and it, I, I don't know. And it, it just seemed because up until that time he just seemed like oh like he's a he's some kind of a servant. He seems very um, subservient. Yeah, uh, and then at that point he's he's yeah he's just making fun of the guy. The guy falls down in his own poop and. Yeah, there's nothing really comes of it, you know. J- Jacob doesn't kind of go after him over it, at least not then. I guess he kind of does later. Probably though, deep in Jacob's soul, he was like, "Eh, that was is it a boy or a girl? That's that's a pretty good line. I got to give him that." You know, I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to seem so. pissed off. Yeah. But I, you know, th- throw the guy a bone. But I did, I, so. I did like that um uh, if I'm not mistaken, Jacob's very last line in the movie just before what we'll call his death, although there's a bit of surprise in the end that maybe that's not the case. He does, I think the last line he says is shit and thistles. That's a good ending line. Oh, I am kind of curious about like where it really lost you, maybe. Like it, it just took me so long and I don't think I ever really ever got to a place where I felt at home with who these characters are and who they are to each other in a way. Mm-hmm. Like it, it took me a long time to figure it out at the, at the beginning. And, and like you said, like there, there, there's some confusion over, Oh, well that guy looks like the other guy. And, and wait, wait a second. Okay. That, that guy's dead. Okay. Um, there was in a weird way, there's kind of a lot to keep up with, even though it's, it's really not that many characters and yeah, you know, it's, it's pretty simple, but it, it, it sometimes it just feels like, yeah, things are happening between the characters that that just didn't quite make sense. Didn't take everything completely off the rails, but just didn't didn't make sense. And then, of course, once they you know uh, eat the mushrooms, then of course stuff doesn't make sense. Right. But uh, but yeah, I, I can't I can't look to just specific things. I just feel like it was it was always a thing where I was I was constantly feeling like I'm just not keeping up with this. <laughs> I'm missing something. Yeah. 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 We could probably blame Trump for that, right? Uh yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm yeah. I agree with yeah. that. Um well, you know, I don't know. It's 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 interesting because I in a lot of ways I think what I will take away from this will be some of the stylistic stuff, but I think those three guys actually, the Jacob, Friend, and Whitehead. Mm-hmm. Um because I, for whatever reason, I, I think that actually did sort of click for me. And, and I, that's what I actually grasped onto the most because the, you know, like all the sort of hallucinogenic stuff. And even I'm still confused about who the hell O'Neill really was. Yeah. And what was he the I, devil? Do you, do you know like what the treasure was? Like there was no treasure, right? Well, no. So, so what happened was, and, and I and I can't remember. Maybe this was Cutler, but Cutler is the one who's still in the hole, and he starts pushing the dirt away. This is what I. This yes. is what I remember. Pushes the dirt away, and it looks like a metal skull. Okay. And that freaks him out some, real bad. There bones or something? Okay. Well, see, I, it it didn't seem like it was actual bones. It seemed like it was. It seemed like it was like a, like a metal skull to me. That's all I saw. Oh my god! Okay. 
and and he seemed very freaked out and and as as time went on i just assumed okay well he's just freaked out about that and i and i sort of have to accept that he's freaked out but i don't really know why and then i think at some point he tries to shoot it with a gun i was gonna say and then he climbs out of the hole and shoots it and it's not backwards or something right yeah and i was assuming that that he shot it and it ricocheted and hit him oh okay but again i don't know that, that makes a kind of sense it makes a sort of sense but yeah that's that's how my brain took that in yeah and then you know i gotta say by the end of it i was like the last thing i wrote in my notes was like wait do we even know why whitehead was searching for o'neill in the first place (laughs) because that's that's who he was supposed to be looking for i mean was he supposed to be looking for him from the very beginning yes i mean at least that's what that plot synopsis said it was that his master was was a rival of o'neill's Okay. And I think Whitehead was supposed to be trying to find him. Well, because at the very beginning... Right? Well, I, I guess my thing is when we start off, it feels like he's trying to he's trying to run away from the fighting. Mm-hmm. And it seems like his, you know, whoever he is, uh, whatever, betrothed to, doesn't like that very much. And is saying like, I, I guess it's saying he's going to kill him. For some reason, that's that's what I was getting out of that was like whoever he was supposed to be serving was not happy with him at all. I didn't feel mm-hmm. like he was saying, "I need you to find this guy." Well, you know what? I'm looking at the Wikipedia thing, and it's not there, but I swear I read that somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, no, it, uh, it, 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 yeah, I mean, it makes. I mean, he's he's definitely supposed to be finding. I don't know. I don't know. Again, it, it seems like in my memory that gets invented once it's decided that they're that they're all leaving and going to this alehouse. Mhm. And it's not really wasn't really an uh, an actually like sanctioned thing but like it's something he was maybe he knew he was supposed to do and I, I don't know. I don't know, Sean. Well, there wa- I do know that when it was sort of announced who O'Neill was there was the moment where Whitehead said something to the effect of that's the man my master was looking for okay there was some awareness at least on whitehead's part of who that guy was right uh once it was established that that this seemingly dead corpse tied to a rope that they had been struggling to pull (laughs) was this this guy named o'neill um yeah that i can agree so yeah questions remain i think questions are supposed to remain but I will say, yeah, I, for whatever reason, I, I clicked with those those three characters, and I think specifically the performances by the actor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. If you ever find yourself watching this again, maybe that'll happen for you. Maybe not. Maybe we'll figure out all the secrets if we watch it again or, or if someone chimes in and pulls us through it. But, um, yeah, I, I think um, I'm certainly interested in, in this director and his, uh, looks like his wife did the screenplay, uh, that's a that's a pretty interesting it's an interesting experiment that they pulled off here yeah whether i love it 100 percent or not it looks like the cinematographer was laurie rose yeah. loved the way the movie looked in, in so many places a really interesting mix of of things and uh and it looks like he wh- edits all of his stuff oh that's great or at least he's or or at the very least he's one of the editors but yeah um so yeah, I mean it's it is a good looking movie. Three hundred thousand pounds was their budget. I mean that can't be a that's, lot. Yeah. Well, what is that? I mean that's close to six hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, it's not too much. Well, but it ain't nothing. It ain't nothing. It ain't nothing. Especially for what I think they they got going on in here. 
yeah. um, in a lot of ways. Last little things I wanted to bring up was the actor that played Jacob, Peter Ferdinando, also was in Starred Up, the movie oh. we talked about in our second episode, I believe. He yeah. played the character of Dennis, who, if I recall correctly, was sort of the guy who runs the show amongst the prisoners. Mm-hmm. He was that one dude. Like, And even looking at his headshot, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I remember him in that movie. Interesting. I, I don't, but I, I'll check that out. Oddly enough, he completely reminded me of Ralph Ineson from The Witch at times. I think he's also got yeah. great accent, good gravelly voice there. And uh, even just appearance in this movie at times, I was like, he, you know, he kind of looks like he could be his cousin or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, agreed. And uh, yeah, this movie also was distributed in the U.S. by Drafthouse Films. We've talked about them before, but um, why don't you play in hell? Uh, I believe also the Overnighters, really good track record. So it's nice to see something else from them. Agreed. Any last parting shots? Field in I, England. I can't say. I'm I'm uh, I'm glad we talked this out because I was I felt a little lost until now. Now I feel as if I'm found. <laughs> well, that's amazing. Yeah. Grace. And uh and and thank you very much to Alex for suggesting that. Yeah, and again, if you want to make a suggestion of your own, hit us up at neverheardpodcast.com or neverpodcast on Twitter, Facebook, wherever else you know you can find us. And we will check something out next time. We don't know what yet, but um, you can head on over next week to our mini episode, and maybe we'll let you know then. Maybe, if you're good. (laughs) 